This podcast contains bad language. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how you doing, listeners? Adam Buxton here. Welcome to podcast number 23, an EU referendum special. Oh, no, wait. It's a conversation with John Robbins. Tried to do the EU referendum special with Rosie, but got a bit heated. Instead, I have for you a conversation with British stand-up comedian and radio presenter John Robbins. I was in London earlier this year doing some shows, and John came round to my hotel room. Now, I'd seen John and his girlfriend, Sarah Pascoe, the night before at the after-show party that we had following the Bug Bowie special that we did at the Odeon Leicester Square. Speaking of which, actually, and before I tell you a little bit more about John, people have been asking me if there are any plans to do the Bowie special again in London this year, and the answer is yes. The next one will be at the Greenwich Comedy Festival on Tuesday the 26th of July, between 7.30 and 9.30-ish, I think. There's also a show at the Bristol Comedy Festival on Sunday the 3rd of July. Uh, But you can find details of these shows as well as other upcoming shows on my blog. Here's the jingle for my blog. I've got a blog, I've got a blog. Rudy, Rudy, Schmoody, Rudy, blog, blog, blog. I've got a blog. Here's the address, here's the address. It's adam-buxton.co.uk. So check it out. All right, there we go. It's not a very well-maintained blog. So, you know, go easy on it. And it, it, it sort of explains what you can expect from the Bug Bowie special on the blog. So that's the best place to check out details of all that. But listen, I rudely derailed myself from the business of uh, introducing John Robbins. John Robbins, here's some John Robbins facts for you. He is currently 34 years old. John can currently be heard along with his friend and fellow comedian Ellis James, on London's Radio X, formerly XFM, where the pair present a show on Saturdays between 1 and 4 in the afternoon, currently. Uh, When our conversation was recorded earlier this year, the radio show was going out at a different time. But then the time changed. Now it's going out later than it used to. It's a good story, though, isn't it? John's Twitter handle is at Nomadic Reverie, which is a reference to the title of one of his Edinburgh shows, which in itself is, I imagine, a reference to something else, which uh, I'm not aware of. And whenever I see John's Twitter handle written down as one word, I always think, who's Norma de Creverie? Norma de Creverie? Oh, it's John Robbins. Our conversation meandered about... From important topic to important topic, we talked about how to handle celebrity encounters and how not to handle them. We talked about nectar points. Uh, We talked about the delicate balance of power 
within double acts. And we talked about the things you do that great for your house or flatmate. The things you do that great for your housemate or flatmate. You should be considerate or you'll get thrown out of the flat. Okay, here we go. hotel two days ago in Newcastle yeah. and luckily I was on my own but have you ever experienced the frosted glass toilet door? When you say experienced how it, do you mean? As in have you ever, luckily I was on my own but it seems to be the most insane invention ever because it allows you to kind of see the outline of what someone's doing in the oh, toilet from the bed Yeah, that's sexy No, it's awful I want... When are you going to be in a room while someone takes a shower, anyway. No, but if you're there with... Like, the... if you don't know them. No, but I'm not talking showers. I'm talking toilets. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. You're staying... It's... Say you're going to like a wedding. Like, in this situation, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, if I had to go to the toilet and I'd say, can I do a quick wee? Right. But I was sneakily hoping to do a sort of a high-speed poo. Or crack one off. Or both. <laughs> well, whatever. You would immediately know that I would lied about the Wii, and then you'd see that I was sitting down on the... It was just the worst. It just seemed to me the most infuriating design, that you would allow someone to kind of just be able to tell what you're doing in the bathroom. Yeah, I think it's uh, sexy. Are you not bothered by that? Well, I'd have to take a view once it was presented to me. Hey, by the way, before we get uh, properly stuck in, I thought that we would make it a rule that there'd be no swearing. Yeah. Right? Now, normally... It doesn't matter. I've got no. I've got nothing against swearing, but I just thought, as we're radio guys, okay, let's try it, and yeah. see how it goes. That's not to say that you can't, like on the radio, you wouldn't even be allowed to start oh, no. talking about certain areas, even if you weren't swearing. You can forget about talking anything, uh, talking about anything super complicated or uh, unpleasant. Yeah, there are certain yeah. bands on the. What would have been the Radio X playlist that are no longer there, who are no longer spoken of? Really? Who are they? Uh, the Lost Prophets. Because they are called the Lost Prophets? Oh, no, because the guys... <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. I wouldn't be very good. Yeah. Well, that, we, we navigated those potentially very choppy conversational waters. Well, at least we didn't swear. Beautifully. Exactly. We didn't swear. And people who don't know what the hell we're talking about will be none the wiser and their days won't be ruined. And people who do know what we're talking about are probably thinking, move on. <laughs> Why don't you move on? Move They're on. making the cut gesture that our producer uh, used to make a lot at Six Music. Ours does this. How would you describe that? It's, so it's a, a, dub- it's up a double wind-up yeah. and then a T. And Time then out. After the T... Uh, your last warning is they'll just fade a track up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the ultimate sort of... That's happened twice, I think. That's the ultimate, like... That's right. You gave me no Are choice. there any bands that are not on the X playlist because of political content? Like, I'm thinking 
presumably, I mean, the BBC certainly would not play Killing an Arab by The Cure and haven't done for a long while. um, Oh, I don't know about that, but I do know that they are very quick to remove stuff from the playlist based on current events. So, for example, because the sort of music Radio X plays is indie rock orientated, there tends to be a lot more stuff about, for example, guns and bombs just being referenced in tracks. So they're very hot on taking that out. Yeah, and I should say as well that passing reference to The Cure, that is, uh, of course, not a racist song. It's um, referencing the existentialist novel uh, L'Etranger. But we, they would encourage us to steer away from getting too deep into yeah, the background of that Yeah, because it would, it would, it would be confusing, wouldn't it? You'd have mm. to do a very long explanation every time you played it. Yeah. You'd have to basically read L'Etranger in the original French. And now you'd say, that was Albert Camus's uh, L'Etranger. And now here's the cure. I'm going to give you a present. I'm going to give you a present, mate. Oh, mate. Who's going to go first? You go first. I'll go first. Uh, I went to Legoland with my children last week. Mm-hmm. This is the thing, right? I got an email and it said, you are invited to the n- premiere of the new Lego movie in 4D. And so my mind is blowing at this point because the original, the first Lego movie was good. Yeah, it was I great. Thought. So I'm like, what the hell? This is amazing. And it says, come and see the uh, premiere at uh, Legoland Windsor, a full week before the park officially reopens for the 2016 season. I was like, whoa, wait till I tell my family about this. So I did, and they were like, oh, you're a genius, Dad, you're at the wheel, oh, we're going to see the new movie. I can't believe it. And then my son, who's 13, who's kind of a, he's quite a film buff, and he also knows how to use the internet, he started pouring buckets of scorn on the whole thing and saying, well, I haven't heard anything about the new Lego movie. <laughs> it sounds very mature. He is. He's like that, honestly. We call him Victor Mature. Really? Yeah. And I was like, don't just... He's always being... Come on, you're always pouring scorn on my exciting stuff. So I'm like, no, I don't know anything about it. I've not heard about it, that's all. And um, so then, long story short, it turns out it's not, it's not the Lego movie. What it is, is a, it is a Lego movie, like a 12-minute short that they've made specifically for the parks. Oh. I should say that it is gr- really fun yeah. and good. So is 4D, is that the, what The Hobbit was in? That, the 48 frames? No. Oh. 4D is just things happening in the physical world while you're watching the film. So, in this case... Some usually it involves having your face sprayed with water. Oh, no, it's depressing, and it sounds a lot more sort of futuristic than it is. It really, yeah, it's it's very lo-fi. Actually, it worked out fine, but the, but the moment that I had to tell the children, it's not the new Lego Movie. I think mm. that's another year or so away. It was a bit disappointing, but there was lots of so-called um, celebs invited, right? Which in practice means more or less anyone who's hosted or been on breakfast television. So who was there? Five years. I didn't really know. My wife had to explain who they were because um, she reads more um, very bad magazines mm-hmm. than I do. Uh, Lisa Snowden was there. 
She was she was causing the most um, ruckus on the red carpet. Really? Yeah, there was a red carpet for this twelve minute film. Yeah, amazing. And who else was there? Ben Shepherd. Ben Shepherd. And uh, but the big one, quite a big leap. No disrespect to all those people I mentioned, but Gillian um, Anderson. Really? Yeah. For a twelve minute Lego film. Well, she's got children, you see. Right. So her children were there. And my son has just finished watching the whole of the original series of the, you know, like nine seasons of the X-Files. Or well, even the really, really scary one where the, yeah. the inbred people are living in the house. Yeah. Oh, mate, it's so scary. But isn't it, isn't it sort of uh, darkly comical, that one, as oh, well? Oh, it's just the mo- It was terrifying. Yeah. It's one of my big sort of memories that formed my phobias and fears in my life. I don't know if I've even seen that one. There's I know sh- the one you're talking about. There's a shot where... The camera's inside this old shack, and they found a buried baby outside. That's what leads them there, and the baby's deformed. Oh. And they go into the... Sh- it's pretty heavy Speaking going. Speaking of stuff that's no fun to talk <laughs> yeah. about on the radio. They, f- <laughs> they find a baby. It's been buried, but check this out. It's horribly deformed. <laughs> and... So they look around the flat and these, these sort of creatures, you see the sh- sh- silhouettes of them moving about. Uh-huh. And then there's these slats of light in the floorboards. And the camera just starts to zoom in on these slats of light. And it zooms in closer and closer and closer. And it gets right up. And you just see two eyes oh. looking out from under the floorboard. And they keep their mum in there strapped to a board with wheels on. Best place for it. <laughs> so that's terrible. I'm just getting scared now. Squeeze was the one that uh, got me. Do you remember that one? That's a very early episode. Ooh. Maybe even episode three or something. The fellow who um, squeezes himself into confined spaces. Oh, Tombs, yeah, I remember that. He's called. Ooh. And he sort of he goes in there and he just coats the... whatever confined space he's in, just coats it with gob. Like very yellow phlegm. Oh, remember that? No, I remember the the. And he makes a sort of guy. Cocoon. Oh yes, I do remember that. But I watched. I haven't seen them since they sort of originally aired. You haven't seen the new series then? No, I've heard it's sort of completely insane. In a good way. In a bad way, I think. Oh, okay. I mean, they're both very good. Sheep, in particular, though, is pretty formidable actor. I think she's got chops. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, so she was there. She mm. was there. And so my son was really excited. And I said, um, do you, should we say something to her? And he's like, ah, do you think we should? And I was like, I don't know, man, it's up to you. If you want to go and say hi, I bet she wouldn't mind. Um, as long as you're polite, you know. Is this the, your mature child? Yeah. So he's now dropped his sort of scorn. Yes. He's not saying, well, it was really I'm not good. sure that would be wise, Dad, actually, in an event like well, this. Well, he was and he wasn't. He was, he was on the fence. Yeah. Because I, he was like, oh, can we go and say hello? Can we go? I was like, yeah, we can, we can. But think it through, though. Like, think it through in your mind. What's the best thing that could happen? Like, I'll pretend to be Gillian Anderson and you be you saying hello. And so mm. we sort of played it out and he realised fairly fast that he would just get tongue-tied and he wouldn't know what to say and what's the point? kind of thing hmm. um but just as we were leaving we were in the store and i was buying the gift i'm about to give you and um there she was and so i said come on let's go and say hi so i went up and i said uh excuse me sorry to bother you um just wanted to say my my son's a great admirer of your work she's like oh really because she's a brit did you realize that she 
has a completely British accent. Really? Yeah. A hundred percent, like cut glass, quite posh. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, it blew my mind. I was like, whoa. Because her accent in X-Files is What if she's been taken over by an accent alien? And that's how they get you. They change your accent. Well, that would be a very weak premise for an episode. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm leaving you. That's for you to pitch. Yeah, I'll pitch that. All right. Um, but she said, oh, right, what, what, what have you been watching? And Frank said, oh, yeah, it's The X-Files. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're, how old are you? And he's like, yeah. But, but at that point, her child, one of her children went AWOL. So she's like, sorry, sorry, excuse me, I just have to just check my child's not vanished. So it was one of those things we didn't really know what to do. Like, is that it? Have we concluded oh, our business? Yeah. Oh, no. Or should we just wait around? And she was like, oh, you know, and, and then you felt really bad because... You know, we were thinking, oh, no, we're, we're that interrupting was like her. When I met Brian May twice and neither time got anywhere close to satisfying the outcome I'd wanted since the age of nine. What was that fantasy scenario? Immediate best friends. Oh, yeah. Um, Plays you rare, unreleased Queen tracks. Yes. Um, invites me around to his house and that's a definite in the diary. And we both double confirm. This is after about two minutes of chatting. Yeah. And then I just go to his house and I sort of become a better friend than anyone he's known since he was a teenager. Right. Like, and, and I go around for Christmas dinner every year. Sure. And Roger then, Roger Taylor through, through that then becomes friends. So with Roger, I go out and we sort of have heavy nights on the town. Yeah. Whereas Brian, I, we have sort of more reflective. Talk about weeks. the stars. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he shows me his grounds. He shows you his telescope. Yeah. But instead, what happened was... The first time I said, and I got my, my agent works with Queen, so he knows them, oh. and he introduced me. He said, all right, Brian's a big fan of yours here. And I went, hello, um, I, I saw you at the Colson Hall in 1994, and uh, you signed my guitar, and I wanted to thank you very much. And he went, oh, okay, maybe I remember that gig. And then sort of had a photo. And then the second time, my agent again wangled me <laughs> warming up the crowd for their New Year's Eve gig that they no did live way. on the BBC. Good one. The problem is it's, in the, it's tainted the excitement of the fact that you're doing the thing you dreamt of doing yeah. for two decades and yet you know it's going to sort of... The experience of the day will not be this magical kind of, oh, John, come into the dressing room and hang out with yeah. us. For a, it's, it just will never be like that. So I did it and then afterwards... Like there was a problem with me getting access to the green room because I didn't have the right wristband. And then I went in and sort of Brian walked round and he's like the one of the band who sort of shoulders the responsibility of, I think, being the, the face of them. Because uh-huh, everyone yeah. knows who he is. He's, like, got, Rod- he's got distinctive hair. Yeah. And Roger Taylor could walk down probably Oxford Circus and most people wouldn't recognise him. But he, looked, May, he looks like a kind of dandy Santa at the moment. Yes, he does. And he was this night was wearing a red velvet jacket as well. Yeah. His beard was quite big. But then Brian came over and um, he said, hello. And he was obviously being told to sort of, he had to spend half yeah. an hour saying hello to everyone. And I was eating a canapé. And I said, uh, I said, oh, the, the canapés are nice. And he went, oh, what are they? I said, the, the sort, sort of miniature prawn curries. Oh, this is going well. And he said, oh, curry. I don't like curry. Oh. 
and then he left. Good facts, though, man. That was a heart-to-heart <laughs> you had. He doesn't like curry. He doesn't like curry. And my girlfriend is... I had this image because she was there. She's a vegan... He's a member of the Vegetarian Society. Yeah. They, I thought they were going to talk about animal rights. I would then, weirdly, get sort of subsumed into their friendship. You start kissing her. She starts, <laughs> she starts kissing Brian. My fingers start he running through his hair. He kisses you, or deliberately. But instead, I just found out that he doesn't like curry. Come on. Well, that's, pretty, that's privileged info. Hmm. That's good, man. So listen. Anyway, it all ended well yeah. with Gillian, I think. My son was a little... He came away from it. Um, a little confused, you know what I mean? And because I think you do, it's, it's exactly like oh, your episode with and May. It, and it never stops being confusing. Yeah. And in the end, I think you realise there's no need. But there's, I, there's no need to shake their hands. I wonder if it, when you're, say, you're Brian May's level, yeah. say the first time he meets someone super famous, do you think when you both at that level, there's no awkwardness at all? I think it must be like that because they do have shared experiences mm. of life because their life to some degree, is dominated by the peculiarities of being famous and uh, how it alters your life for the, for the worse as well as for the better. And there will be no awkwardness, I guess, because you, you, neither of them has expectations of the other person. So, right. So I think, especially... With because the power... Because it's a, a lot about power sometimes, isn't it? If the power is on an equal footing. I think it's also, like... To put it in context of, say, your show with Joe, is that you've been in their life for an hour a week for two years. Right. So it's impossible for there not to be a slight, slightly awkward yeah. first few seconds because, I, and I've been in that position as well with stuff I've been a fan of, is you sort of assume they're going to go, hey, you're the guy who listens to our show because it's such a personal relationship. Yes, exactly. Well, I've said... I, I, crapped on about it before about podcasting that that's definitely what you get from that mm. but listen this has been the longest oh, build up to the smallest <laughs> smallest present of all time ta-da thank you very much you can describe it for the listeners it is a miniature lego figure of superman ages six plus yes do you like superman uh no, he's a twat isn't he oh i swore I mean, oh, I, nice. I, I used to say that word Did on you? XFM until one day someone wrote in, I think, and said, it doesn't bother me, but heads up, that's like the C word in up north. I, I never knew it was offensive until I, I used it to refer to Michael Portillo, uh. who was on telly <laughs> with my stepdad went, actually, that's a very offensive word. Yeah, I, thought it yeah. meant, I basically thought it meant twit. We have, like, I don't know if you and Joe had this, but um, we have sort of, uh, broadcast approved replacements mm-hmm. which so when we're angry on the show with each other or having a sort of an argument and some of them uh, I, I once called Ellis a son of a coin oh yeah he called me that maybe and no he once called me YouTube yeah and tube is quite good but then we found out tube actually is a term some people use yeah, yeah. which I didn't know well, it's um, a bit like bell isn't it yeah you tube massive bell that's, one, that's a Tim Key one. He likes using that one. Does he? Yeah. You absolute bell. <laughs> <laughs> I play football with him, and his, the word he use, mo- uses most, that is feces. Because that's absolute feces. <laughs> that was feces. Well, he'd be good on the radio then. He could yeah. navigate it. Yeah, he would get So 
I got your Thank Superman you. key ring. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, I mean, I love those little minifigs. Yeah. And um, do you, would you ever use a key ring? What does that tell you, mate? Look at that. What is it? Look at those bad boys. Oh, you got a bottle opener on there. Come yes. on. Yes, super cool. You're crazy. I am pretty crazy. Uh, is there room for Superman on there? Shall I put him on now? Go on. Oh, great. He's probably still warm. I've been... You've been sort of fondling, fondling him, him for, for a about good... half an hour now. Yeah. I'll put him on with the keys to the Fabia. Pride of place, mate. The Fabia. What kind of car is it? I don't know anything about cars. Skoda Fabia. Skoda. 1.4 diesel. Oh. 2004 plate. Pretty sweet ride. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about cars. I know that we've got a stupid giant one. <laughs> <laughs> one do those... you not drive? I mean, I do drive, yeah. You do, do drive? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I love to drive. I'm a brilliant driver. Really? I don't know. I'm not sure I'm a great driver. And I really, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to admit, you never hear people admitting that they're really not that good at driving. There's a great YouTube video of British drivers swearing that have uh-huh. been captured on their dash cams and it's just all edited together. And what's great is they sort of edit themselves because you always starts with a beep wanker. Oh, you're not allowed. Oh, now I've done it, haven't I? That's worse than the T word. Oh. I think, isn't it? No. Not. Bums. Anyway. Bums but it's fun. quite funny. But apart from the ones where someone actually clearly has got hurt, and I, I have no yeah. tolerance for YouTube videos of people getting I injured. Know. That's the problem. I wish that they could give them certificates. Yes. And say, like, guaranteed no one killed or maimed. Yeah, so, like, this skateboarding fail compilation is amusing. Yeah. This one is genuinely terrifying and upsetting. It makes you be sick. Yeah. Because I, I can't do that. No, but the ones where they land on their heads the landing and stuff. Ones. Oh, and you think, well, he's not going to get up from that, is he? Have you seen the one where he goes to do a trick and he's running along with his board and instead of doing the trick, he just runs off into the distance holding his board? It's really, really funny. Yeah, no, that sounds good. <laughs> I like the way you say he as if it's just one guy that skateboards <laughs> on YouTube. Ian Skateboard. Yeah. Uh, no, I know it's 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 annoying because I do like those fail compilations. Mm. And before I don't know what happened, I guess I just put two and two together one day. I tell you what, I thought naively. I just thought, well, they wouldn't put them up if there mm. were people killed in them and stuff. Because on TV, when you watch You've Been Framed and things, I would say that they're not going to show anything that ended in death. But or it's disability. any impact on a hard surface. That's my sort of. My one of my things I can't deal with. Even if they get up and walk away from it. Yeah, slipping on ice, um, slipping on a dance floor, face plant on. Yeah, oh, I can't. Pavement. I can't. I, I was once walking to a gig actually at night, and an old lady was walking past me, and she, you know, when I had like my hood up, so I looked ominous. So I tried to just look as less, as least threatening as I possibly could. So I sort of gave her space. Put your knife away. Yeah, set the uh, set the guns to relax mode. <laughs> Stand by. And um, as I passed, I just heard. Oh! And she'd just gone straight headfirst into the pavement. Oh no! And uh, oh, and there was that brief moment where I thought, Why didn't I film what, it? What should? <laughs> Why didn't I have my GoPro? Where I I just thought. Hmm, what do you do here? Yeah. What do I do? Because the street's silent. There's no one there. It's just this woman face flat on the... Oh, not moving. Not moving. And I just... 
and and then you go, oh, you help, you idiot. Your sort of normal brain comes in, mm. and you're like, go and help her. So I just sat with her for ages, sort of she was leaning on me. Yeah, because she would have ambulance. just been shocked, I guess. Yeah. And was she then, okay? Um, she was very old, and her friends eventually came running around the corner and said... Oh, there she is. We can't. We wondered why you'd been out so long. What have you done to her face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they sort of took it from there, really. Oh man, that's hard. Yeah. Getting old. God. What are you doing, launching into that story when it don't, ends don't like know. that? I remembered funnier bits. She was going to pop up and start jigging around no. and say, "Hang on, are you John Robbins? <laughs> <laughs> Shall um, I give you your present? Yes, please. This I, is very. Um... I've even got more presents for you. This is a very sort of uh, self-involved present. Because we had some merch done for our show. Oh, yeah. And I remembered when people used to get uh, Stephen T-shirts. Yes. Up. Did you have official ones made for you then? Or did, was it listeners that made them? Well, listeners started making them. And then we did two gigs recently where we took some along. We got some made up. And I wanted to give you a, our version of Stephen is, are you on email? Uh-huh. Uh, because... We, I just said it once when we were trying to work out how to introduce people's correspondence. <laughs> yeah. like, are you on? Are you on email? So that became one of the yeah callbacks. So the, the thing is, are you on email? And then the callback is, oh, you absolutely have to be these days. <laughs> so that's what people say. Unfortunately, they weren't any t-shirts. That's more expensive has more expensive implications for merchandising than Stephen just coming. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so I got you uh, a copy. Oh wow! Of my autobiography. No. Which I wrote for the show. A Robbins Amongst the Pigeons. That's true. I love it. By John Robbins. Wow, you've done a book. So we did it over 30 weeks. I mean, it has to be said, it's very thin. Oh, yeah. So I used to read out from Tony Blackburn's autobiography, Poptastic. Right. Which is, pound for pound, the funniest thing you'll ever read in your entire life. It's so like I, Partridge, the book. Yeah. I think it was a reference point for them in researching I, Partridge and writing it. There's a bit where he's talking about being flown to a restaurant by Noel Edmonds in his helicopter. And it's a classic, needless to say, I had the last laugh moment uh-huh. because they're in this restaurant and a, a waitress comes over and says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry, I, I don't hope I'm being inappropriate. And sort of Noel turns... As if to go, don't worry, Tony, I'll deal with this. Probably just uh, looking for an autograph. <laughs> and um, Tony Blackburn writes, but it turns out she was actu- actually interested in me because I'd sold her a dehumidifier on QVC just one week earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that is... There's, that is the tip of the iceberg. So I then wrote my own story in that self-aggrandizing style. And that's what I'm holding in my sweaty hands? Yes, a Robin's Amongst the Pigeons. Oh, good one. And so you got real anecdotes fused yes. with your partridge-esque yes. blitherings. Thanks very much, man. No worries, man. I'm never going to read it. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, the most, that's the most I'll read of it, what yeah, I just read that's there. that's fine. No, I'm joking. Relaxing with a group of people Sitting round the cool and jazzy sofa Everybody's eating cake and pies and crisps And sipping fizzy pop from cups Relaxing with a group of people Sitting round a cool and jazzy sofa Everybody here is eating cake and pies and crisps and sipping fizzy pop from cups 
This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. I'll give you the second gift. It's um, 20 push pins from Paper Chase, and they look like ladybirds. They do look very like ladybirds. They're my favourite push pins. Now, usually, if you'd met me three years ago and given me these, yeah. I would have just thrown them back in your face. Would you have pushed each one each of them one into my face? Each one individually and spelled out a non-broadcastable <laughs> word in ladybirds. However, this is the sort of thing that my girlfriend will go insane about. Yeah. I, I probably will have said in my intro, but in case I didn't, your girlfriend is the comedian Sarah Pascoe. Yes. A female comedian, Sarah Pascoe. <laughs> I'm sure she'd appreciate that. Oh, she loves it around the house. Comedienne. <laughs> yeah. But she'll love those ladybird pushpins, mate. You've got a, um, a, a board, right? A court board or something like that. Message board. We don't have a message board. Where's However, she going to shove the pins? Well, knowing her, it will be all over the shop. In with your ass. With flagrant disregard for the terms of our tenancy oh okay hmm. um don't you want to get a big uh, we've got a big i love big cork boards but i've realized that they are more or less pointless i mean we've got a few family pictures and things that end up on there and that's nice but more than that are just scraps of recipes and things and when you go to Sainsbury's you get like if they've calculated that your shop was five pounds more expensive than it would have been elsewhere then you get a voucher for five quid for the next time you go back there. Obsessed with them mate. Absolutely obsessed with them. But they're brilliantly calculated to expire just before you need Let's talk nectar. (laughs) The most I've ever got on that shopping saving one was 25 pounds. Whoa. And the cashier lady called other cashiers to come and 25 quid. I, d- I thought it didn't go over 10. No, it does, because I bought... So my girlfriend got me, a, for Christmas, a holiday to Barbados. Oh, good. Present. I got her an electric toothbrush. Quite right. I mean, some of those electric toothbrushes are very expensive. Some of them are. The one, <laughs> the one I bought wasn't. Okay. The one I bought was £20, reduced from 50 So my voucher, because obviously Asda was selling it at 50 was for 30 quid and then... Another bit was five quid more, so it worked out as £25. That was a big day for me. I've got the most nectar points in the world. I wonder if you do, because I've been collecting mine for nearly 20 years. Have you got a receipt on you? I don't generally keep my Sainsbury's receipts. Well, I keep them for arguments just like this. Really? Yeah. 
No, I haven't got one. I've, I've only got... ever spent them once when I was trying to give up smoking for the third time and I felt bad about burdening the NHS with my nicotine patches, so yes. I spent my nectar points on them. Good one. But no, I have... I'm wait- I don't know what I'm waiting for. I mean, I used to... You know, I talked about them on the, on the radio back in the day with Joe and said that I was going to have a big points party, and I never had that. And I said, you know, I was going to invite all the listeners to the points party. But then I had a genuine... I was watching the news and seeing some miserable stuff happening to some poor group of people or something. Hmm. And I thought, what am I doing having a points party? <laughs> just, like, wasting this money when I should just give it to people that need it or whatever. You can't donate nectar points, can you? Well, no, just buy some food and give it to some yeah, people yeah, yeah. who but, need food But or buy something. it with cash and then get the nectar points, so it's win-win. Right. <laughs> your points are worth... Can I say? Yeah. Your points are worth... Two hundred and fifty-six pounds sixty-four pence. That's around a quarter. You're kidding me. Of what I've got. No way. Yes way. You got a grand. Twenty years. <laughs> it's not the system's not been around for twenty years. I think it has. Oh. I don't know. Maybe it's not twenty years. Oh. But family shopping. I wish I had a family now. I've got three children. I'm going to call Sarah and tell her I've changed my mind. <laughs> Um, we were both on... Well, you are. We were on XFM, as it was. This we're, is X now, isn't it? We're, uh, we're in your slot. Are you? Steady on. Oh, keeping it warm yeah. on a Saturday morning. Thank you. What, what is it? Are you ten till one? Ten till one. That's a good slot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you've got then the rest of the weekend, and also it, it means that you don't go too crazy on a Friday night, or do you? Well, I started out... It was my definite sort of non-drinking night. It was a Friday when we started. That sort of slipped because the problem is, once you set a precedent, because inevitably the first time you get a bit drunk the night before and turn up a bit worse for wear, you have an amazing show. Right, and you think, oh, it's so good when I'm loose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then you think, oh, God, I'll have to bloody have to now, won't I? In, <laughs> in fact, Tony Blackburn attests to this in his um, autobiography, Poptastic, He's, his, one of his tips for presenters is to stay up a bit late the night before because he says it, you're sort of on your toes a bit more when you're tired, and I agree with that. Oh. How much do you prepare for your shows? We have a, a weekly quiz where we ask each other five questions on a topic and the winner gets to pick a track. But that's been going on for two years now, so the topics have become... You have to change topic after you lose. So they've become quite obscure. So I think Ellis's topic is... Uh, well, it was the patron saint of, saint of Wales. Mm-hmm. Mine was the town of Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. So we have to prepare those questions. We read through the emails in the morning and in the week. But apart from that, it's, uh, it's just riff-tastic. Yeah, just doing a bit of riffing. That's the way to go. I mean, that's what we used to be like, me and Joe. But then we sort of ruined everything by, or I ruined everything by suggesting that we write songs. Oh, that, that was great. Yeah, but it... it put a very unpleasant burden on our week. I think if it's every week, you have to get to the point where it's something you can do or not do and people don't go mad if you don't do it. Because I, my, my original pitch to Joe was, um, and this was after I'd bought a new computer and it had GarageBand on it and it had the little jingles on. And I was like, oh, well, they, you, just, we just, you just sing nonsense over a 30-second jingle, and that's it. You don't do any more preparation than that. Mm. I was like, let's just, let's just sing nonsense, and then we can play them to each other in the studio. But then within a couple of weeks, we were both trying to outdo each other and get really ambitious and 
put beats and loops together and all this. But that's interesting because it starts off as fun, then becomes super competitive, <laughs> which is more fun yeah. if you're listening because you can hear that it means something. I, got, I mean, I, got, I went into a genuine K-hole about the whole thing. We had to do a song about piracy, about download, illegal downloading. And Joe just tossed something off over a, <laughs> over a jingle. Or, like he hadn't put the music together himself, really. And I, I was like Brian Wilson, <laughs> losing my mind, doing harmonies and different sections. And I was like, this is my magnum opus. And I'd, I'd had a string of losses as well. And it had got into, it, it was becoming one of those things where the audience thinks it's funny to keep voting against me. You know oh, I mean? that's not fun. Like, like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, when they, when they start picking on someone. Yeah. And they always get picked for the trials, and it becomes a bit cruel, and it sort of rolls on. And it was hap- happening to me, and I appreciated that on, on one level it was sort of funny, but at the same time it genuinely hurt, mm. because I just thought, oh, this is not fair, I'm putting loads of effort in. I, I deserve to win. I mean, looking back on it, uh, I was insane. I'd lost my mind. Well, the, but I genuinely, it was winding me up. The only time there's ever been genuine tension in the studio that we, when we've done the show, the like actual real world mood, yeah. always from me. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, always. And it's twice it's been questions that were, I thought were too hard because you have to start easy and progressively get harder. One of them was what were John Deacon's A-level results? <laughs> which I got wrong by one. I said two A's and a B. It was three A's. Sorry. Three A's? Yeah. The second one, and it still annoys me, so Brian May was my topic for Winner Plays On. And the right. first question Ellis asked me is, how tall is Brian May? Which... With or without hair? Well, I mean, that. so we begin a myriad of vagaries of that question... Not week one. He got that from CelebrityHeights.com. That's where I mean, you go when you've run out of what was his first solo album called. Right. And uh, what year was his PhD handed in? No disrespect, but you should know both of those things. Oh, well, I do now. He's six foot one and his PhD was handed in in 2000. Did you not make an educated guess for the yeah, height, I did. though? And get yeah, I got quite the close. height wrong by half an inch. Oh, that's very sad. I got the yeah, PhD yeah. wrong by one year. I'm so sorry. But that's an, absurd, an obscene thing to ask someone. Yeah. Um, the other time was... Um, and you got genuinely knocked. <laughs> yeah. The other time was my question, my topic was, I used to collect farthings mm-hmm. when I was little and... A teenager and in my twenties. It's great fun. <laughs> Who wouldn't? I mean, we've all done it. So my question topic was the golden age of farthings, sixteen seventy four to nineteen oh one. Where'd you go to collect farthings? Coin fairs, eBay. Oh, it's just those two. You don't just go down into sewers. Oh no, because they'd be probably uh, damaged yeah. or sort of weather damaged. So you want shiny farthings. But he asked me questions on farthings outside of the golden age, and it's now known as Farthingate, because uh, I, went, I went a bit potty. Did you? Yeah. The other time was when I was rude about one of the bands we played. And that was... That and was he our, didn't... He that didn't... was our producer that got angry at me then. Oh, okay. Which oh, is fair to, enough. Man, we used to get that all the time. Do you get... Who mans the computer on your show? Who, who looks at the feedback? Oh, we've all got the feedback screen. Have we've you? all got access to that. That, that caused one of our big arguments, me and Joe. Really? Yeah, when he would just read out negative stuff that was coming in. And um, it really got to me, you know, and I was like, mate, stop reading that out. 
Especially live, while you're, when you've yeah. got to come back on. And, exactly. So you can't come back on with hurt feelings and people not know right. why. I always remember a time in, in the real world, though, when I was introduced to uh, someone's boyfriend, um, and it was at a screening of one of our Adam and Joe shows, the show we used to do on Channel 4, and we had a party, a screening party for Series 2. And a friend of mine came along with her boyfriend... And uh, I was sort of nervously going around afterwards and saying, hey, how are you doing? Oh, thanks for coming. You know, and I just sort of said, uh, did, you, did you like the show? You know, just for something to say. And um, she said, yeah, it's great, yeah. I was like, oh, how about you? You know, Mike or whatever his name was. He's like, no, not, not really my sort of thing. Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I should have just gone, oh, all right, okay, see you later. But I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, what, what is your sort of thing? And he just sort of reeled off a load of stuff that I love, you know. Larry Sanders and uh, oh. Oh, I like Chris Morris and all that. I was like, oh, yeah, I love that too. But I think it's also, it's a, it's a very often a man in stand-up nights, if there's someone that takes against it, it'll often be a man who's there with his partner, a female partner. Yeah, I, I got the feeling that it like, was a little bit of a power play. I'm the funny guy in this, in this relationship, mate. Yeah, yeah. And if someone's sort of looking up at you with any minor level of sort of being impressed or enjoying it, I can understand someone going, I would have been exactly like that. If I'd gone to see stand-up when I was sort of in my 20s with a girlfriend and they were laughing at the person, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, but you, you weren't like this yesterday when I made that great joke in the kitchen, were you, though? Yeah. And, and, I, and I tend to make you laugh every day and when where's this guy when you are struggling, when your self-esteem is low? I'd be that. Yeah. And that's obviously what's partly going on in their minds. Yeah, Go on, then. So Ellis and I, yeah. sort of dynamic, works quite well. Because uh-huh. I'm sort of Johnny Big Potatoes in the world of our relationship. Yeah. But that's not actually reflected by our career trajectories. Oh, uh, yeah. And I wondered how, becoming increasingly aware, Ellis is involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. Is he? Doing very well. Are you getting on... worried he's straying? I mean, he's been well, popping up on TV. He's in quite a lot of sitcoms that he doesn't seem to have been able to wangle me parts in. Right. Even when those parts cried out for specific areas of knowledge that I have and oh. probably could have got inside the mind of. Yeah, yeah. So it's becoming increasingly clear that his mortgage is not necessarily being paid by... The balance Lo- by is Robin's shifting. work. Yeah. Is it magnanimous to ask your listeners to write a script of a sitcom that would feature you? So Ellis is in Josh, uh, the sitcom that Josh would have come. Oh, yeah. And I sort of suggested that it would be more than... I actually wrote an episode outline that included me. As a, oh, yeah. As a character obsessed by Queen who comes to move into the spare room. Yeah. But it's not been... They haven't been in contact about that uh-huh. yet. But I'm sure it's in the pipeline. Yeah. But Ellis is in there. Oh, he's got his main part. Is he? Main part, yeah. And uh, also, the, the it's very funny. I don't know if you've seen it, but it features a it yet, no. sort of a revolving cameo fest of all 
our sort of friends in stand-up. Right, except you. Except me, notable, notable. Don't let it get to you. Just sit back, play the long game. Don't start thinking, well, this is bad and, like, making crazy... Don't start killing people. I mean, oh, the worst. I, that. I think you know. I'm, I'm able, I don't mind um, referring to, to these kinds of things now because I feel like they're in the past. And I remember me and Joe watching um, Pete and Dud. Uh, oh, not the what when they're doing Derek and Clyde. Yeah, that horrible scene where he's putting crisps in his hair. I mean, he's being so oh, horrible. It's to just him. the worst. And and he's just being vicious. And he and. We're supposed to think that he's being funny and Dudley Moore's kind of tolerating it because technically Dudley Moore is doing him a favour by being on the show because he's such a big star, he doesn't need to do it anymore and he's aware that Peter Cook... Peter Cook looks incredibly bitter, even though supposedly people that knew him say he really wasn't and yeah. he just was... He just did think he was being funny and he I didn't. I think that's how me and... That would be a similar dynamic to me and Ellis. Yeah. Because the, I, I know those recordings where... Especially the when Dudley, I think it was Dudley Moore's either mum or dad had cancer. Uh-huh. So a lot of the cancer ones are Peter Cook bullying him, but doing it in a sketch so he can't he can't come out of it. And the, the my favourite sketch of there's the ticket one mm. with his mum. Say a ticket. Ticket. Yeah, ticket. That's great because Dudley wins that. He's funnier and he takes over the bit and then Peter Cook at the end yeah. just c- shuts him down. And it's essentially because he's gone, no, you're not winning. Yeah, I yeah, will yeah. just make... The, I will put a full stop at the end of this sketch. So that's... It's sort of... It's it's sad and to hear, but it's also you can't sort of t- tear your ears I think away. the other thing is that the that you tend to read a lot of your own hang-ups into those kinds of things. And it, it might well be, you know, we don't know what the real dynamic between mm. those two was. And it might well be that they just knew each other's limits and um, they reveled in pushing each other as far as they could. I mean, it's hard to read it that way. When you look at Dudley Moore, I mean, it seems fairly clear that he is suffering and he's just like, this is awful and this isn't funny and this is uncomfortable. And Peter Cook's just like, I, I don't care. I'm just going to push you as far as I can. Mm. But who knows, you know? I guess what I'm saying is that I know because me and Joe are probably better than Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and I think very well respected in that way. And um, People look at our relationship and they think, what was really going on there? Do you think there'll ever legendary... be an Edinburgh Fringe show where two actors play you and Joe? Well, funny you should say that. No. <laughs> We're moving from one subject to a different one. This is a conversation that we're having talking fun. This is a question that I stole from comedians in cars getting coffee. Okay. It's a question that Seinfeld asked Will Ferrell. And I thought it was a good question. What things do you do that your partner objects to or gets angry about? Um, we had a bit of an argument last night, actually. Did you, after you came back from... Because you guys went... Well, Sarah went to the uh, went to show watch, I was doing. Yeah, Bowie Bug. Bowie we all Bug. met at the... Uh, at, so we, we met a... afterwards at the after party. Right. Which, do you mind me saying, was one of the worst places on earth? We won't say the name of the establishment, but no. it was very sort of footballers' wives 
I can imagine it being sort of there being CCTV footage of a championship footballer hitting someone yeah. in there. I mean, the people that organised it and helped us out there are very nice. And, yes. But it was, it's just not... I feel terrible was, now. I didn't mean that. No, I mean, listen, that's your opinion. I know what you're saying. The music was a little loud and it wasn't very relaxing. But uh, So it makes me... Yeah. I got very edgy because I can't... I'm not good with noises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And loud. No, it was maddening that, that that you couldn't really just... I don't understand the, the logic. The of, place was perfectly lovely. It was the music sure. that made it hard. It was just too loud. That was so when I can't hear people talking very well, I tend to sort of... I shut down and back off a bit. Right. And I think sometimes that comes across as being... Standoffish. Uh, disinterested. Because I can't hold a thought in my head with loud stuff. Yeah, yeah. So... She was there, her, her, her friend Katie, our friend Katie was there, and I just, I wasn't as engaged in the conversation as I should have been because in my head I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to explode, well, I can't think, oh, blah, blah, blah. so she doesn't like that. When you, when you shut that's down. That's an actual, yeah, when I shut down. Because yeah. I tend to be more sort of solitary, I think. Right. I mean, you have to be sort of solitary to, to do stand-up and not go insane because you spend so much time on your own, with your own thoughts. In your own head, right. Um, I'm fine on my own, and so is Sarah. But uh, I think if I if I retreat too far, especially around other people, hmm. that could be tricky. And so, what was she specifically chippy about? If you don't mind me asking, or, and and if you just don't think she be, would mind you saying, um, I was thinking about this on the way. What what she was annoyed about was that I was not chatty enough, basically, right. and that she's absolutely right because I wasn't. Because I couldn't. You did do one thing at one stage. Oh God! That I thought, oh mate, you're gonna probably have to explain that when you get home. What was it? She was saying oh, something. Oh, and, have I done my the worst? And you said something like, "I think I just made that point," or you said something like that. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I just said that. And she was like, oh, "Okay," and I thought, "Whoa, mum and dad." No, there was a point. We might have to cut this because this argument is still has not quite been resolved. It's not been resolved yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think maybe. Well, yeah. don't worry. Don't 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 say anything that we can't broadcast. No. All right. No, she doesn't get angry at uh, anything I do in the house because she's an insanely sort of relaxed person. I'm the one who gets pernickety about stuff. Uh-huh. Heating mess. Heating spills not being cleaned up immediately and efficiently. Quite right. What's what? she doing? Is she just tolerating it? We shouldn't, we shouldn't rag on her while she's not here. Oh, no. But. She once spilled a glass of wine and just left it. Said it's white wine. <laughs> It'll just soak in. Yeah. I got so angry that it was like, not anger, but just like, what planet do you live on? Yeah. Have you gone in completely insane? No, that's too laid back, yeah. That's, yeah. That's too much. Um, but I tease her about it. It's all teasing is a very good way of diffusing anger and sort of managing to get your gripe across. Doing it in a all, nice way. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's an art to it, and I ha- I'm by no means the master of that art after 13 or so years of marriage, but I'm trying to get better. The, the trick is to sort of put your point across to express the things that annoy you without sounding like you hate that person. Yeah. <laughs> and th- that you're nagging them. You know, I don't want to be a nag, but at the same time, it's like... 
wow, I've mentioned this loads of times <laughs> and it's still happening. <laughs> what, what do I do? I don't know what to do. She sent a tweet the other day, two days ago, saying my boyfriend's away, so I'm enjoying my freedom by leaving the fridge door open for the entirety <laughs> of the time it takes to make this sandwich. Does she not have... Is there not an alarm that goes off when the door's no. left open? Well, yeah, I am that alarm. Yeah. <laughs> but so I was going to reply, and I must have drafted about eight different versions of this tweet saying something along the lines of, my girlfriend's away, but luckily she left the heating on for three hours when no one was in the house, so when I come back, it's... That are the remnants of warmth here. But I couldn't make it funny. <laughs> yeah, it just sounded too bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Heating on between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad, though, with my wife that, that her gripes about me are aired a bit more easily than perhaps they used to be. And now she... So she's pointed out a few things that I do that are quite annoying. I mean, I tend to leave windows open and stuff. What? I like the fresh air. But she doesn't like it. I mean, you can leave the heating on as much as you're not. You're not going to do as much damage as leaving a window open, mate. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? I think one of Sarah's big gripes with me is that I have a way I think things should be done. Mm-hmm. Admin, house stuff. And if she deviates from that, I get quite bossy about saying, sort of, this isn't how we do that, or that's, or yeah. if you do that, this is why we have files for these things, so that we don't not have the thing when it's and all that. But so she, I, I can be quite bossy about saying, no, we're not doing it because that's not how it should be done. Uh-huh. So I have to sort of be a bit more relaxed about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound like a monster. A monster who's never lost his keys, wallet or phone. <laughs> there we go. John Robbins. Very much enjoyed meeting John Robbins. I'd only met him a couple of times before that conversation. And um, the first time, actually, was at last year at the Greenwich Comedy Festival. This year, of course, I'll be doing the Bug Bowie special. But last year, we were on the same bill and had a very enjoyable conversation for an hour or so after our sets. And we talked about Frank Zappa and Van Morrison... That was good fun for Buckles. It's not too many Frank Zappa, Van Morrison conversations that happen around the house normally. I'm not complaining. You know, it's good to uh, keep those for a special occasion. Rosie! Rosie, come and say hi. Come and say hello. Come on. Rosie! Rosie. Are we still friends after the big um, Brexit argument that we had? Oh, dear. Still giving me a dirty look. I'm just... You know, I've listened to all the debates and all the facts, and I'm just trying to do what's best for the majority of people. I know... Of course I know I'm privileged, and... Don't look at me like that. You might be wrong for all you know. Oh, you've done a shit on the floor. (laughs) Okay. Thanks very much indeed to Matt Lamont for edit support, to Seamus Murphy-Mitchell for production camaraderie, and to you for downloading this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will join me for another one sometime soon. Do take care out there. Good luck. I love you. Bye!